Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. I'm glad to be back after Yom Tov. I hope everybody enjoyed a wonderful Yom Tov. And actually, this show is a continuation of Yom Tov. In fact, it's going to continue. It's a very, very special show because we're tying into two areas which are uh, important for everyone who's listening to this show right now. And they are the special... Well, we'll tie it in when we get to it, okay? So let's just start by talking about Yom Tov. On the Yom Tov of Shmini Atzeres, Simchas Torah, we have the special opportunity to mechabit somebody for Chosen Torah and somebody for Chosen Bracious. It's a minig that we have that we make a very big deal about finishing, and the person who finishes the, the Kriyas at Torah is called the Chosen Torah. And the one who starts out, when we start reading Bracious on Simchas Torah, he is the Chosen Chassan Bracious. And these people usually in the shuls have to pay money for this. Some places they play, pay with blood of Gemara, but usually they're paying money for the opportunity. In some shuls, they make it that the rabbi gets Chassan Torah, and maybe somebody else uh, could be a rabbi who gives Daf Yomi Shir, gets Chassan Bracious. Or in some shuls, you pay for it and you get it yourself. And it goes for a high amount. Sometimes uh, in the thousands of dollars. It's a tremendous honor, and most people are not worthy of getting that uh, more than once or twice in their life. It's a very rare thing to get, and it's a, an accomplishment. He came chasen Torah, bracious. And then there's a minig that we all have that they make a kiddish and show their appreciation, their their their. Uh, happiness and have been, been given this great honor, and they make it usually this week, which is Parshas Noyach. Sometimes it could be Parshas Bracious if it's very close, if it's not so close, but when it's connected, Yom Tov to the Shabbos, there's no way in the world they could do that. And so this Shabbos, Parshas Noyach, in many of the shuls, is going to be a Kiddush. Ah, Kiddush, yeah, fantastic Kiddush, because there are two people, First of all, you know, had the money to spend for that chasen Torah, chasen Bracious. and they they want to show their appreciation, Hashem is Baruch, and they want to show their good feelings and their warm regard for everybody in the shul, and they make a kiddush the following week, usually in Parshas Noyach or Parshas Bracious. and this week it's this year it's definitely in Noyach. So this Shabbos, in almost every shul you go to, there's going to be a kiddush. And in some shuls, there's going to be a very fancy kiddush. And that is a topic, one of our topics tonight, which is the kiddush, which we've discussed here in the past. How is it handled? If there's going to be a, a kiddush in almost every shul, who's going to be staffing it? Are there going to be Shomashabbos people to go around for these kiddushes? Is there going to be a mashkiach at each one of them? The fancier the kiddush, the more you need a mashkiach because there's more foods that are served, more things kept hot, more things that more people that are being served, more things that can possibly go wrong, and more people working there. And here, you have to make sure that we have proper Kiddush without Chil Shabbos. 
And for a lot of us, the challenge is that when we invite these waiters to come and workers to come at a Kiddush, a lot of them are not observant, and a lot of them may be Jews who come from another country who are not yet observant, and they're working in the, for the Kiddush, and they might very well be being Michal Shabbos. So here you buy a range for a Kiddush, and you have spent th- hundreds or thousands of dollars for the Kiddush, and what happens is that the, the, the people who are working in the Kiddush are Michal Shabbos because of you. Here you wanted to mahana everybody there, make everybody feel good, and you wanted to show your appreciation to a Kaddish bar. And here we have people who are being Michal Shabbos. Michal Shabbos in many different ways. Some of them ride on Shabbos to the Kiddush to be able to work there at the Kiddush as a, your waiter. Uh, some of them will be Michal Shabbos at the Kiddush, whether in the preparation of the food or in other things that go on at the time of the Kiddush. And many of them will be Michal Shabbos after the Kiddush, wrapping up the bags, making knots, taking them outside, uh, doing things uh, that are boirer, putting the foods away in a way that creates boirer. And here is a friar, a non-from Jew, when we say not Shomer Shabbos yet, and he is breaking Shabbos and being paid for his activity by you, by the Baal Simcha. And this is something that rabbis in the shuls have to address, that we, as people who are attending these simchas, we have to address it. We have to make sure that at our shul, there won't be Chil Shabbos. As I've said on this show many times, there's a certain shul that I daven in on a regular basis, and almost every kiddush, Chil Shabbos is, is, is there. It's not... Uh, so pronounced, although it has been. It's the kind of thing where they tie up the bags, they carry them outside where there's no Eruv, and we mock it on the Eruv, and there's um, uh, other issues that come up that you know that, that could have been avoided had people been on top of it, had there been a mashkiach, had somebody be appointed to be from the shul to make sure that everything goes well at the affair, or a mashkiach that's paid to, to, to service the, uh, the, the simcha. And that's this is a pet peeve of mine, and it's something that we should all be really addressing. And it'll be a big kiddush Hashem if we took care and straightened out the the kedusha Shabbos in our own shuls. The other topic for tonight, and I'm ready to discuss any aspect you want about the first one. And the other one is the fact that this Shabbos has been chosen by the Shabbos Project as a special Shabbos where people are welcome to come into our communities to celebrate Shabbos with us, people who were not so familiar with Shabbos, maybe never kept even one Shabbos in their lives. Maybe they kept a lot of Shabbos, but not constantly. Maybe they're not familiar with some of the halachas. They were going to become part of our Shabbos. And this is an international project that was started in South Africa by, by Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Warren Goldstein and is being carried out in many countries across the world and in the United States as well. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I was on Pesach Chani's show yesterday, the Baal Chuba show, here on J-Root, and we had a very interesting discussion. A number of callers called in about people who are participating uh, in the project, the Shabbos project, and we were discussing different aspects of it. And I'd like to continue the discussion now and maybe add a few points that were not said yesterday and like to hear also from you people about 
your reactions to this and your involvement, uh, any questions you might have about the Shabbos uh, project that is taking place this week. Uh, Personally, I was a little surprised to to note that the flyers that I saw in the in the that are hanging, uh, there are, I believe five. I'm not sure if it was four or five shuls that are participating here in Flatbush. And as far as I understand, we probably have 200 shuls here in Flatbush. If it's not a 200, it's certainly 150. And uh, four or five shuls are included in this project, which tends to make one question, why is it that some people have chosen to be part of this and other people have chosen not to be part of it? And is there some issue that, uh, you know, underlying that, that caused that, that difference, which is very pronounced? I have here an article, which is from uh, September, from uh, a, pro, a, a newspaper that I get from England, which is the London Jewish Tribune, and they have a uh, and write up about Shabbos UK, which is their organization in the United Kingdom, the UK, for this special Shabbos project, and hopefully to continue throughout the year. And they mentioned that in England there are over two hundred shuls and schools and organizations involved in their Shabbos project. Uh, so far, I haven't studied the topic, but my guess is that we have much less involved in here in the United States. And if, if so, the question is why. When the original things that I saw written up about it mentioned a few states where there are programs, but it doesn't seem to be that it's across the country. It doesn't seem to be that the vast majority of people are being involved in this. I myself uh, took three opportunities to volunteer to help in this project on over the internet uh, I uh, applied three different ways and uh, so far they haven't been able to use me which is uh, a little surprising to me we offered to house people for the event for the Shabbos and I offered to teach the preparation program which they have uh, to people who want to keep Shabbos for the first time so they did they said that they had too many people willing to teach and not enough people who are joining the program to learn about Shabbos and to participate. So there really is a, a, a dearth of involvement and it's a question of what, what's the problem, what's the way to correct it. Um, and, and I'm interested in what your feeling is about it and what you feel that we should be asking people to do and uh, how could we involve more people? And still a few days left. Uh, there, are, there are ways to sign up, and I'm going to mention it in just a moment. But let's give out the studio number. If you'd like to call us to discuss either one of our topics, the special Shabbos that's coming up, the Shabbos Noyach, where we're going to have Kiddush after Kiddush after Kiddush, and you might attend even more than one of them. And that's without any special things like uh, a bar mitzvah or something else. You're going to have Shabbos Kiddush in almost every shul around. And the question is, are there issues that are not being addressed by the shuls? And the other question is about the Shabbos project, about inviting people to celebrate Shabbos together with us. What is it all about? What can we do? Uh, what's the reason why we don't have a clear 
line of communication between the different organizations and what is happening in, in this project. So you can reach us now live on the, at the studio, 718-683-5858. And it will put you right on. We haven't got any callers yet. 718 718- Six eight three five eight five eight to talk to us about either one of these topics. Please keep your comments, questions limited to these two topics for present, and then afterwards we'll open it up for all issues. If you're if you're interested in talking about other things, but right now I'd like to hear your comments, your reaction to these two issues, the Shabbos Kiddush and the issues that might be taking place there. What kind of problems? how to prevent it, etc. And the other one, this special Shabbos project, involvement in it. If you're involved in it, let me know a little bit about it. If you uh, want to get involved in it, I'll try to tell you how you can be involved in it. Hopefully you'll be more successful than I was, but it depends also where you live and what you're offering to do. Anyway, you can reach us live at the studio, 718-683-5858. And if you like the text, do it to 347 347- 927-8398. Again, text 347-927-8398, and we'll try to answer your comment or question right away. We have a caller. Go ahead, please. You're Hello? Go ahead. I'm on there? Yeah, you're on the air. You're live. Yeah. I'm on there? You sure are. <laughs> Okay, that's it. I'm on the air. Okay, taking off. All right, that's the. Uh, we usually don't have such callers, and uh, Bar Hashem, uh, uh, people are still in the in the simcha of the Yom Tov, <laughs> but we're trying to accomplish something here on the radio, which is very very unique. So if you want to reach us, seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight, or text us at three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. And I like to go on to these, discuss a little more about these two topics, and if you can call in any time you want. But we'd like to stick to the topics until about 6.30. Now, the question about the Shabbos Kiddush, we had a number of shows dealing with it here on JRoot, and we had a special program where uh, we trained different people on the topics of, uh, of Shabbos and kashras that take place at the Kiddush. I, I can, would like to tell you that very often when you hire a, a mashkiach for a uh, Shabbos Kiddush, if you're getting it from the caterer or if you're getting him from one of these services, you may not be getting anybody who knows anything about the halachas of Shabbos. And it may be the regular person who's been a waiter at three events recently, and they said, you know, this week you be the mashkiach. And, and that's about as much as he knows. He knows how to serve the food, and he may even participate and help the other waiters. But in reality, he's a glorified waiter, and they call him a mashkiach is just fooling you. The right way to do it is to get uh, from a kashrus agency, let's say, for example, uh, you, the, the caterer has a hashkacha, call up the hashkacha. Say, can you recommend somebody as a mashkiach? Do you have people? Do you know how I can get one? That would be a real mashkiach. As far as getting 
waiters, you have to try to get waiters who are not Jewish or waiters who are Shomer Shabbos. Because when you get the non-Shomer Shabbos people, unless there's a mashkiach there watching them, there's going to be Chilas Shabbos. And if the person is coming from Brighton Beach and you live in Flatbush, I can assure you he's not walking an hour and a half. So it, it, it certainly, I mean, in Borough Park, even further. So I have a Crown Heights, so people listen to us now in Crown Heights. You certainly couldn't walk from Brighton Beach. So if you see that somebody is going to be, is going to cause Chil or Shabbos, well, you can't do that. You can invite the person to stay over. Say, would you like to come and stay over? We can arrange it for over here. Fine. You can be the you can be our waiter, but we can't take a waiter whom we know is going to be Michal Shabbos, even if he does it a daita He does it on his own. He's not doing it on his own. You went, you're paying him to be there. So how do you say he's doing it on his own? Well, he could have found a place to sleep, but you know he's not going to find a place to sleep. It's like would you invite somebody to get in his car and drive to your simcha? Invite him and say, I know you live in, in Connecticut, but, uh, but we start at 9 o'clock. There's still gives till time to get here <laughs> if you leave early. Is that really what you want, somebody driving to your, to your simcha? You can't do that. It's, it's an Isa de Reis, according to Moshe Feinstein. It's a din of Mesis Madiach, one of the worst averis in the world. The worst averis in the Torah is to invite somebody to a simcha and you know they're going to drive. It's, it's considered to be, Rabbi Moshe says, Mesis or Mediach. And the din of Mesis is Moridin Ve'en Mailin. The people that we let die, that we don't try to save in, if they, on Shabbos. And that if there's a, a court case against them to have them killed for their job, Mesis, the Allah says, we treat them differently than any other person, any other situation. And all other uh, capital. Uh, questions when somebody might be killed, we always try to find the zechus. We always look for an opportunity to save him. And in the Mesis, it's the exact opposite. So he is this good meaning fellow that he's inviting everybody. He has his good friends coming. He's spending a lot of money on the Kiddush. He's really appreciative that his friends help him get this uh, uh, this, this aliyah of the Chassan Torah. He never had in his life. He's going Meshuggah for his happiness. And what does he do? He causes another Jew to be Mechal Shabbos. Ridiculous. And then he pays the money for being Mechal Shabbos, as if you could pay somebody for, for taking your hit up, for being for, for Chil Shabbos. And then, then the Torah says that it's as if you did it yourself. So here, this is what's happening week after week, and especially this Parshish Noyach, where they don't have enough waiters to go around, and enough mashkichim at all to service us in Flatbush and Borough Park. So this is something that people have to keep on the top of their minds. And if you know somebody who is arranging this kiddush, ask them, do you have a mashkiach? How'd you get the mashkiach? And I can tell you that some of these mashkichim, unless you're getting it from a bona fide source, we are not prepared to do the work. I saw in, in Lakewood that they have a wonderful set of mashkichim. But in Lakewood, it's no big deal because we have a lot of B'nai Torah, and working a little bit on Shabbos uh, in a head to dick away is certainly uh, something that, that people could use to get extra dollars. So it's very easy to do it in Lakewood. But you haven't seen in the last 20 years Shoma Shabbos waiters with, I mean, let's say, uh, the Yeshiva boys that are Shoma Shabbos waiters. You see occasionally a Shoma Shabbos waiter. You don't see them all over the place. Recently I was at a Simcha at a Kiddush and I saw two Yeshiva boys. 
Uh, I couldn't believe it. Two yeshiva boys. And then I realized, who is the Baal Simcha? He's a Rebbe in the yeshiva. And he got the boys to come and help him. It was a unique thing. But in the old days, we always saw yeshiva boys as the waiters. Today, people are, a yeshiva boy wouldn't want to be a waiter. And therefore, uh, we're getting people that are, are, don't know any halacha and don't care about the halacha. And it's our responsibility, the rabbi in the shul, number one, the balabatim of the shul, number two, the bal simcha for sure, it's his responsibility. And the people who are going to attend, the, the, the guests, say something. Do you know the kashas of the, the foods that are served? Do you know? They might ask if it's Yoshin, <laughs> but what about the kashas of the foods? What about the chil of Shabbos? These are the questions we have to start asking. So this is uh, one point that I want to make today. The other one, which we're talking about, is about the Shabbos program. I see nobody's calling. I'll give you another chance. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And uh, if you'd like to text us, you can do that at 347-927-8398. Again, 347 927 8398. But until somebody calls, or unless somebody calls, we're going to continue our topic, which is a very interesting one. And this is the second part about this Shabbos. So let me give you a little background, tell you a little bit what's going on in England, and tell you a little bit what I know about what's here. And if you still want, if you'd like to participate, ways that you might be able to participate. First, let's go to the history of this special Shabbos program. I don't remember the details. I didn't look it up before I came here. Uh, but the, the story is that this Rabbi Warren Goldstein, who's the chief rabbi of South Africa, made a trip to Israel and met with one of the Gedolim in Eretz Israel. And I don't remember the exact words that went by, but the germ of the idea of this idea of a Shabbos project to try to get all Jews to keep what that one Shabbos was something that that Godel placed in his mind. I don't remember the words that we used, and it wasn't the exact concept, exactly how we worked it out, but he told him to try to make this kind of connection and hit with the people. And being a chief rabbi of a country gives you a lot of leeway. So Rabbi Goldstein coordinated Everything in this country, every shul, every organization, whatever it was, everything is geared to getting the Jews to keep Shabbos. And he wouldn't give on anything. He said, we want 100% Shabbos observance. Not, I'll go to the Kiddush. Not, I'll come to a speech. Not, not I'll go to the challah baking. No. I have double ceremony. No. That he had. But people only want to go to the baking, the challah before, well, the women, thousands of women. Very nice. They had the biggest challah baking in history, and they're planning for this year to be bigger and bigger. It'll be the world's record challah baking in, 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 in history. And, and that's, it's going to be something you'll be written up in all the papers because challah baking is something that shovel nefesh, everybody wants to hear about it, and it doesn't hurt anybody. But no, Warren Goldstein, Rabbi Warren Goldstein said, we need 100% Shemir Shabbos, and we want it to be that everybody 
Every single Jew in South Africa, except upon themselves, this one Shabbos, even if you can't do it any other time, give it 100%. And he taught, and the people prepared. And what happened was that the, uh, the, the, it was such a big success that over 50% of the Jews in South Africa kept Shabbos that year, last year. That, that Shabbos. Over 50% of the Jewish people. Rabbi say, I don't know what, how you are with mathematics, but I'd like to give you a couple of facts. In this country, we think there's a lot of from Jews, and there are, compared to England, a lot of from Jews in the United States. But the wildest number you can come up to of from people in the United States is under a million. And there are officially, whether I say officially because I don't believe it's true at all, but officially there's five and a half million Jews in America. The reality is they're not real all of them Jews, but a supposedly five and a half million, which means that it's less than 20% are Shomish Shabbos in this country. In South Africa, it's probably no different. It's probably not, not more than that. So the, to get 50% Shomish Shabbos for one Shabbos is an unbelievable number. I'd also like to share with you a number that I read also in this newspaper, and it's a very sad number. Very sad. The number of intermarriage, the percentage of intermarriage in Europe is 80%. That was a number. I printed in this London Jewish Tribune a headline, 80% intermarriage. It's the, it's the death knell of Jewry. We're happy we have, look how great it is we have our yeshivas and we have it. Yes, we have all that. But people are literally dying like flies. So maybe they weren't sprum. Okay, but the point is we could reach out. We could hold on to them. 50% observed Shabbos last year in South Africa. Now I'm going to read from this article because it, it's important for us to grasp a few things. This is what the article says. I'm quoting. Because of the different communal dynamics, the between, difference between South Africa and England, the campaign here, that means in England, was not quite as prescriptive as in South Africa. Prescriptive meaning limiting, ossering things in Shabbos, making sure that you really kept every drop of Shabbos. Where they pushed hard the details of Hilcha Shabbos from the word go, which means from the very beginning, Warren Goldstein's ideas, we want a real Shabbos. Not just see you in shul, stay for the kiddush afterwards, thank you for joining us today. No, 100% from Lich Benchen till Havdalah, you can't do any Chil or Shabbos. 50% he got last year. Four shuls or five shuls in Flatbush are participating this year out of 150 to 200 shuls. How I I can't even put I can't even put the numbers together in my head. 
I really have difficulty in working this whole thing out. So they decided, so I'm now continuing the article, from England, how they're dealing with the Shabbos project. Here, most communities felt they had to start by focusing on the basic concepts of Shabbos and see what the response would be. Now, the basic concepts of Shabbos, I don't know exactly what's the basic concept. To me, basic concept of Shabbos is you can't do malacha, you can't do anything creative work. The focus and the basic concept of Shabbos was that mean lighting the candles and eating challah? And maybe a chicken soup and a chalant on the day? Is that the basics of Shabbos? Seems to me that that is the extra. The, that's the geschmack of Shabbos, yes. But the basics of Shabbos is what he called prescriptive, <laughs> which means that the Hilcha Shabbos, from the, that's, that's, that's what I understand as the basics of Shabbos. You, you remember the story, everybody heard it, about the king, and he tasted the, the food on Shabbos in the man's house, and, uh, and then he tried to get his cooks to be able to cook the same food, and they couldn't taste it. And they told him, you know, you're missing one ingredient. What's that? He said, that you're missing the Shabbos. If you, if you don't have the Shabbos in the food, it's nothing. If you're going to have challah and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, cholent, and you're going to get in the car and drive home, there's, there's no Shabbos. You're, it's a weekday. It's nothing. It can't have any, any impact on your life. So it seems to me that really we do need what they call the full dose of Shabbos. Now, Another point that they made over here, which I thought was interesting, is uh, in South Africa, following the project, there are numerous families who committed to keep Shabbos once a month or who otherwise engaged in new levels of learning and growth. And this answers the question that many people have. I heard it from a lot of people in the last week or so. Well, I don't see the Rosh Hashivas telling me to do it. I don't see all the shuls lined up and flappers to do it. That's correct. I'm telling you, they're not lined up to do it. I haven't heard a word of it in any of the places that I daven in. Not a word about the whole project. I see signs. I see uh, printed uh, flyers. There's some things written up in the paper, but I have not seen anything happening in the shuls where I daven. So the point is, people say, well, a one-shot deal. It's like a hit and miss. It's like a, it's like a, a hit and run. You get one chop Shabbos and then you're going to go on your life. What's the big spiel? That's a total misunderstanding of Yiddishkeit. The Bali Musa say that when Rabbi Akiva ran away from the yeshiva, I'll never get it. I give up. Rabbi Akiva said, there's no way I'm going to understand this Torah. It's too complex. And he goes by and he sees the rock with the water dripping, drop, drip, 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 drip on the rock. And he sees an indentation in the rock. And he says to himself, a Kalvachomer or Limud anyway, he says that if the drop of water slowly coming again and again on the same spot could wear away the stone and make a hole in the rock, then Torah, again and again repeated into my head, could make a difference in me. It'll go in. That, that was what Rabbi Akiva saw from the rock. So the Bali Musa say, the first drop 
when it fell on the rock. Was there a hole? I don't see a hole. I see a drop of water falling off the rock. So the Bali Musa say, no. If the first drop didn't make a hole, then the 50,000th is not going to make a hole. It did make a hole, an imperceptible hole, but it did hit the mark. It did impact on the, per- on the person. It did go through the rock, just not all the way through. You can't see the hole. And a Shabbos spent properly with a family at the Shabbos table, with this miris and the family warmth together, a little bit explaining what the parts of the Shabbos are. A person is going to go through that, he doesn't escape the same person. I'm telling you a story. I heard Motzei Shabbos. I was sitting together with my mechutten, the one Lakeuter, the family, the mechutten that I have, and he, he told me an interesting thing, that in Israel, there's a group, <laughs> they have everything, there's a group of choyzer b'she'elo, there, we all know about people who are choyzer b'tshuva, the bali tshuva, well, there's a group that's for the choyzer b'she'elo, the ones who drift off and become free thinkers, give up Yiddishkeit. They call them choyzerim b'she'elo. They go back to the questions. (laughs) The answers don't work for them. They're going back to the questions. So he said that the head of this organization was once invited to attend a seminar for Yiddishkeit. Uh, Either it was Arachim, another one, I'm not sure which one. He was invited to attend this program. And he kept putting them off and putting them off. And then he said, you know what, I'll go. So he went. And he was there, it was, I think, several days. And at the end of it, there's this fantastic program which ties it all together, and everybody joins in, and they come there, and they see what they accomplished and what they, the highlights, and it's a tremendous end to the program. And they're all running into the main room where that is going to be held. And this fellow, somebody saw... He's got his bags, and he's running out the door. So he said, what, 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 what you going? Yeah, I'm going to go now. So they said to him, but, but did, did, did you enjoy it, did, did, did you, the program? He says, I enjoyed it. So then why are you leaving? He says, why am I leaving? It's going to take me six months to forget about this program. In other words, he couldn't handle it. His mind was so made up that even though he saw it was phenomenal and clear and good and true, he's going to work six months to get it out of his system. Now that, that, that's, that's how powerful a Shabbos could be. That's how powerful the truth could be, that even a person who was opposed to it completely sees it's the MS. You know, the Shabbos is a, a tremendous opportunity but it's only one Shabbos, but it makes that hole. And if it makes that hole, that little, little, little hole, it gives an opportunity for the next one and the next one. And there are the follow-ups. And that's what this article was talking about, the follow-ups that are going on in South Africa. And there will be follow-ups here too. So uh, this is a little bit of an idea of what is. I'm just going to mention 
some points that they mentioned which you could uh, how you could be involved. They said uh, that obviously you could make an impact by, uh, by uh, being mechazek your own Shabbos by trying to say this Shabbos I'm not going to have a guest. But this Shabbos, I'm going to work on me understanding what Shabbos is all about. I'm going to read something. I'm going to think about things. I'm going to eat a piece of challah. I'm going to think about what Shabbos is. Zeichel, the Maisebrashis. Zeichel, Tzias Mitzrayim. What are the sources about the creation of the world, which we led last week? What are the sources in terms of the Tzias Mitzrayim, that we went out of Mitzrayim? What's the purpose of Shabbos? Why did Hashem give it? Why do we eat two, two chalas? Why do we cut a little bit into one? Why do we put one on top of the other? Why do we make a bracha with the chalas covered? What, what's the significance of the Kiddush? And what I like to talk about very often is to teach people that the Kiddush is to be motzi, everybody. That I'm making my Kiddush. It's not for me to make the Kiddush. It's not the husband makes the Kiddush and the wife listens, just like the wife lights the candles and the husband sees her lighting the candles. No, it's not an activity that I do. I'm doing it for my wife. I'm doing it for my children. I'm doing it for the guests. And you think about the implication of why are we doing this? The Rovam Hadras Melech, that we united to show that we were, we're a, that as a group, we're bigger than individuals. And all of the stuff that goes into what we call the, the Kedusha Shabbos, it's an opportunity for us to work on that where maybe we didn't do it before. So even if we don't invite any guests, we should work on our own Chizuk. And one of the rabbis in our community said that. He said, it's important to invite people, but it's even more important for us to make sure that our Shabbos is 100%. If the kids can't find Shabbistic activities, if the women are bored, if we, don't have, if we haven't been able to connect with what Shabbos represents, then we have to work on being mechazek and being of ourselves. So that really is the first aspect of this special Shabbos Noyach, and nobody is exempt from that. So we all really can be involved, even if we don't help out in any way with the Shabbos project. Another thing you should know is that you can invite people, whether they're to your house for a meal, and if they're not Shema Shabbos, maybe you can go to the shuls where they are having these programs, Rabbi Reisman Shul, Rabbi uh, 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 in the Aguda on Avenue L, uh, and the uh, Young Israel Midwood, and there's another, and the Talmud Torah Flatbush, those four I know, and maybe there's another one or two, but those are the four that they have the signs up with the, with the different uh, uh, speeches and programs that are going on, and they have a special program for Abdullah. You have to sign up for it in advance. There is no charge. There's a, a huge Abdullah ceremony that's taking place, and all the details on the flyers, and you'll be able to see it. You can go to the shabbosproject.com and get details of how you might participate. You can go to shabbat.com, and that's S-H-A-B-B-A-T.com, and sign up and have guests come to your house. We, we're signed up there. Actually, we're signed there twice. And uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to participate in this project. We have a caller, and we'll take the caller now. Go ahead. Yvonne Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Uh, yes, I'd just like to say uh, Yashikach to you, and it's so nice that we have your station back. Uh, very pleased about that. I'd just like to mention uh, two things. 
that, first of all, people who are going to do this project, that it's very important for them to know that they shouldn't expect miracles and for someone that's being exposed to Shabbos and Yiddishkeit to make an overnight change and then to get discouraged. Well, they look, I did all this. And this person, uh, they, uh, he's a, uh, he doesn't really appreciate what I did. And what, what good was it anyway? It can take years for a person to come around and to become Shoma Shabbos. And I just want to bring that up because people uh, yeah, sometimes I want, to get... I want to mention one thing. It may take them years to become a real Shoma Shabbos, but yeah. you could make sure that they find this a very special day. Not it, it. It it shouldn't be something that's just. See, that's the frustration that I have. That I don't think our shuls in our communities are really ready yet. They haven't been sensitized to how to deal with these people. If somebody will sit in your seat, will you be upset? Excuse me, I sit here all the time. Or do you say, "Well, yeah, I see you're a stranger here. Enjoy." You know. I'll, I'll be here next week, but if, if you is are, are we are we capable of that? I, I was once in a shul. I won't want to give the way the name. I used to live in Borough Park, and uh, I was invited to a certain. Shul. I used to go to a certain shul. I was not a member. I just went there for Shabbos afternoon for Shear and uh, Mincha and Shalosh Shudas and Marev. That's where I went every week. And the rabbi came over to me and said, uh, Rabbi Wickler, maybe you'll invite these people in. They're new in the shul. I said. I'm, Rabbi, I'm, I'm not a member here. You have a whole bunch of Balabatim and offices and whatever it is in this shul. He says, they don't know how to do it. And that's a shame. They should know how to do it. And that's what we all have to work on. So, but, but that person, if people would be friendly to them, they just see friendliness, just see warmth, just see a happiness, just see everyone, uh, no kvetching at the Shabbos. If they would see a Jew the way the Jew was supposed to be, even if they don't become Shoma Shabbos overnight, but the impact will be at least that drop that Rabbi Akiva saw on the rock. Yes, it's, uh, it's, you're very, you're 100%, 100% on the mark. Our mindset has to be, hi, I'm friendly, I want to, that smile will bring, will bring a person closer. And may I mention just one more thing? Sure. Sometimes, um, thank you, when there's, it's, it's hard sometimes for people to invite someone for certain reasons. Uh, my mother, Leah Shalom, it should be a cook for her. She used to sometimes bring food. She had a car service across from her apartment in Borough Park. This is really true. And it was Arab Shabbos, she would bring over hot potato kugel. Or she was an uh, Arab Shavuot, she would bring over a uh, cheesecake. Let me tell you, it made a difference. One of them became a Shomer Shabbos. Uh, uh, it could be all of them were Shomer Shabbos, but definitely, if, if it's possible, sometimes, if you have a nice piece of food and you feel comfortable bringing it over to someone, uh, that will also help someone to feel a little, oh, how nice, you brought me a filter fish, oh, my bubby used to make a filter fish, whatever. That little piece of food is definitely a vehicle that can be used as a tool to bring someone closer to Yiddishkeit. Thank you for letting me speak on here. Before you go, before you go, you still there? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Tell our listeners how they can go about inviting people. Uh, whether, okay. whether it's for this Shabbos, Noyach, which they may be late, or for another Shabbos, how could they reach out? Now, remember, again, 
this Shabbos there are programs that are geared to the to the beginner. At least some shuls are working on that. I don't know the details about it. But in general, if you would go to a shul, a woman or a man, and they come into the frum shuls in our neighborhood, there's no announcement of pages. No one tells you what we're up to. There is no explanation of the Kriya Satora. The, the speeches could be in Yiddish, or they could be very deep, and if you didn't have a good yeshiva background, you're, you're completely cut out. So, and, and, and many people, as soon as they go out they go out of shul, the first thing they do is say hello to their friends and then walk out the door. That if they'd see a stranger, would they walk over to that person? So this is a, this is a thing of how would you suggest that we handle this idea of inv- inviting a non, uh, a, a, right now, a non Shabbos person into our environment? Uh, I think it's a good idea, uh, not that I know everything, but it's a good idea to kind of um, perhaps, uh, you know, bastel a person, in other words, certify one person from the neighborhood that you know that has good communication skills, whether it be on the women for the women's side, on the men for the men's side, to speak. Is there someone that's coming into the shul that that they think, um, you know, that they would like to approach at least and say, hello, it's nice to see you, it's the first time here, uh, you know, hand them a spitter, show them the place. Even that little bit can help them have a good, just to have a good idea that Ayid is a friendly and generous person. He's generous of the heart. So we're emulating Hashem and we're emulating Avram Avinu when we do those things. It's very simple. It just has to be a person who's not shy and who has a lot of people skills, who is good with people. There are some people that are better at uh, different things, but there are people that are blessed with that special ability to be able to connect with other people. And usually people know who they are. Perhaps they should be appointed as like Gaboyan for this. But aside from that, I think everybody, everybody who's listening to the show now, everybody has the ability to uh, befriend somebody in some small way. Maybe you're not going to talk to that person, especially in the middle of davening. But if you see somebody that looks like they don't know what they're doing, it doesn't take very much for you to take a sitter out or point to them the page or and smile in their direction uh, to direct them in, the, in in a positive way. If you allow yourself to talk Ben Gavra Gavra or some other places in the davening, you're, you feel you're allowed to talk. So then talk to these people instead of the friend next to you. See the, somebody that's a little bit lost. See if you can just say a word. It doesn't have to be a, a, a ganza speech. It's just enough to say, it's Shabbos. I see you're a stranger. Where are you from? Ah, very nice. Thank you for joining us. It doesn't take more than that. You don't have to have a whole conversation with them. Those few words, you smile in the direction. You don't know how far that's going to go. And if you're in one of these shuls where they're having the programs this week, certainly very easy to help out, to point the plates out for somebody, uh, just direct them in some way, even if it, on the way to the Kiddush, if you just say, oh, and I see where are you from. Anything of that nature, it has a tremendous impact. The biggest thing that I've heard from people who are becoming Bali Tshuva is how nice the Frum community is to me, or how nice they are to each other, or just that they're just nice people. That, that seems to be a, a, a major uh, impact 
on the people who are not yet from. Thank right. you. It's just a beautiful program. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, we, have, we have the opportunity for you to call. There's a little time left, 718-683-5858. But you could talk now on any topic. I see it's already late. Uh, any topic of Kashrus you can call up about now, 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text us, you could do that at 347-927-8398. Again, 347-927-8398. Or... You can call us direct, 718-683-5858. This is Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And uh, we're available to talk on any topic of Kashrus, Kashrus-related or Shabbos-related. If you'd like to talk about Kirov, we're here to discuss Kirov, too. We speak Kirov. And uh, we're here now at the, in, the, in the studio. It's live. Uh, till somebody calls, let me point out that you can, uh, if you want to participate in the Shabbos project, the easiest way you can call uh, Partners in Torah. You can call uh, the Shabbosproject.com. You can sign up there, the Shabbat.com. There's um, Project Inspire. They're all participating in this special Shabbos, and there are probably a dozens of other organizations that are participating. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what each one is doing, but I know the housing. Uh, is is in Shabbat.com is dealing with housing, and that they had uh, when I looked on the site, I had over a thousand people signed up, but those people were not all not Shomer Shabbos. And many of them were Shomer Shabbos people who just want to be in the area for to see that program and to participate in the program. But uh, there are a number of people who write down that they're uh, unaffiliated. So we do have opportunities to reach out to these people in our shuls. What one takeaway that we all should have is if so many people are taking it so seriously to reach out in the matter of Kirov, then even if you can't invite somebody who's not from to your house, even if you can't relate on that level, but you go to work every day, you see people in the street, you see people in stores, you come in contact with people all the time, you're waiting at a, a bus stop. You're waiting uh, to, to use something, uh, the ATM, and there's a person over there. A nice word, you find somebody, a lot of times you'll find somebody who uh, came here from Russia for this former Soviet Union, and you reach out to them, you never know where it's going to go. We had in our house a uh, sofa, and it was really used up already. <laughs> It wasn't for us anymore. It was where they. It was a super yeshivish, and we 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 didn't want it. But the thought of taking and putting it out into the street, you know, maybe somebody wants it. Uh, we didn't have a way to. There was no luach dot com at that time. I don't know what what you where you list things. Somehow we went. We called up. I believe it was uh, the uh, the kojo. I mean, mentioned we have a sofa if anybody wants it. And some people came in, and they took the sofa out, and they didn't have a car. And they were going to schlep it blocks to their house. In the end, I helped them. I think we had a car to put it on the car, whatever it was. We got it to the house, helped them get it in, whatever. And that was the beginning of a relationship with this family. And 
one of some of them became from, and it all started over a couch. And just the, invited them. They didn't know that many people here. They weren't Shomer Shabbos, but they used to come to our house regularly for Shabbos meals. And eventually, one of them became from. And it's it's something that could happen from the silliest little things. And therefore, when you meet somebody, whether in business or anywhere, be aware that we're all, you know, soldiers in the army of Hashem. We're all representative of, of Yiddishkeit. And you, you can't imagine, especially a man wearing a yarmulke, anything you do is, a, is an a, instant outreach. And it, it could be a Kiddush Hashem, a Chil Hashem, but there's no question that every day we are walking uh, in, in, in a way, coming in contact with people, and we have to work against those numbers. We mentioned before the 80%, the eighty percent that was uh, they say in England, in Europe, the eighty percent of assimilation, eighty percent intermarriage, and in some places in America, it's close to a hundred percent intermarriage. In some states, there's not enough Jews to anybody to marry, so the the Jews are literally dying out. And here we are feeling. We're good because we keep Shabbos, we keep kosher, we spend a lot of money for this. We had a beautiful esrik, we make a nice sukkah, we work hard at our Yiddishkeit, and, and, and we feel good about that. But as long as we know that there are so many thousands and thousands and millions, literally, of Jews in America that are not Shomer Shabbos yet, and we're going to celebrate Shabbos for ourselves only? That's something wrong here. So if it's not something you can do to invite somebody, at least you can try to be the image and make an impact. One story I like to mention, and I think I may have said it before here. Years ago, 1967, uh, Rabbi Yisrael Kanarik, who was at that time the Rosh Hashiva of Or HaMeyer. Or HaMeyer was originally in New Rochelle before it moved to Peekskill. And Rabbi Kanarik was the Rosh Hashiva, who started the Yeshiva, Talmud of Avaran Kutler Zatzal. And he uh, was uh, an outstanding man, an outstanding Talmud Chacham, and uh, a, a trailblazer, because there was not too many Yeshivas outside of New York in those days. And he set up this Yeshiva. And until 1967, we never heard the word Israel. We never heard anything about Zionism and, and visiting Israel going. And, but he took a trip. 1967 war, right afterwards, he ran to Israel. The Kosel, Kosel Moravi. He comes to the Kosel, and he's davening away at the Kosel. And he sees nearby some Yid putting tefillin on people. Probably a Lubavitcher, I'm not sure, but in those days it was, but let's say it was. And he's putting people one after the other, put the tefillin on, say Yishma. Comes to a guy, he says, tefillin. And the guy says, no. He said, but tefillin, take a minute, put tefillin on. He says, no. Ani chafshi, which means I'm a free thinker. I'm not committed to Yiddishkeit. I'm not observant. I don't do those things. Ani chafshi, I'm free. I'm free thinker. That's what he said to to this, to this, uh, to this man, and Rabbi Kanarik started to cry. 
He said, what? We're standing here at the Kos Ravi after thousands of years, and we lost the base of Migdash, and we now have the Kosel back. We now have the Mokum of Migdash in our territory. And we're all here crying our eyes out. Soldiers crying their eyes out. Tourists, Israelis, everybody going Meshuggah but Simcha right after the 1967 war, that summer. And this guy could go ahead and say, no, I won't do tefillin. He's here already. He came for some reason, but I won't do tefillin. So he says, he said to us, we're failures. We're absolute failures. He said, in the time of Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov, in the early days of Yiddishkeit, a person took one look at Avram Avinu and he knew there's an Abishta of the world. He knew there's a God in the world. One look at Avram Avinu and he knew the MS. He saw it. it the face shone. It was just impossible to look at Avram Avinu and question there being a God in this world. Because it says in the, in the Chazal, Ha'avos hein hein ha'merkava. The the Avos, the forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, they're like the chariot of Hashem. That is, and when you saw them, you knew that there was there's a MS, there's a there's a there's a Hashem in the world. You had no doubts about the basics of life. And if this man could come to the Kosel and see all of us here, then we're failures as Jews. We didn't make it. He doesn't see in us anything special. He doesn't feel he must do the tefillin. He feels that he's, he can do whatever he wants. So we're failures. That's how Rav, Rav Kanarik explained it to us. So, again, maybe you don't have to invite anybody for the Shabbos. Maybe it's not going to work out for you. But you, we're all ambassadors. We're all the ambassadors for reaching out and showing Yiddishkeit to the world. And if we aren't taking that seriously, then we are at fault. Then Rabbi Kanarik was right. We're at fault. If we can't put that face forward, and maybe we can't be like the Ophos, it's a little bit much. That's what we say, right? The Rambam writes that everybody could be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. The favorite in the Rambam, Hilchus Tshuva, Everybody could be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Maybe not as Talmud Chacham like Moshe Rabbeinu. It's not so simple to get to that level. But a tzaddik, the Bechir is there, the free will is there to be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Every one of us could reach out and be that kind of exemplary individual that would bring people back by our very existence, our very normal conduct of our lives are just plain walking and smiling and, and just being regular normal people. It should be such a powerful lesson to the world. The stories with, with the of Jakob Kamenetsky and the nuns seeing seeing him, hearing him say hello, you know, and things of that nature was I always think is it is it is it the hello that he said or is that smile? Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky's smile was addictive. I, rem- I remember it like today. I remember sitting, like I see him sitting right in front of me. He, he, he had an addictive smile. The, that smile was, was powerful. It permeated you. And very possibly, 
That's really what did it for them, more than just the words, good morning. Well, maybe just the good morning. And that's something else we should think about. Do we do the good morning? Do we meet people, greet people? Do we say, do we say that uh, it's nice to say good morning, have a nice day, something? Are we decent to people? I had, a, I had today met a guy. I was standing somewhere. He started talking to me. And he asked me about something about Jews training people in a certain thing. I didn't know what he's talking about. But I treated him in a Bukovic way. And many times I come into contact with non-Jews and I treat them in a very respectful way. And I do it intentionally to make that Kiddush Hashem that he shouldn't think that, oh, I know he's a this, I know he's a that, and they look down at it. We want, we want people to think that we are the chariot of Hashem, that we are what the Ovos used to be, that children, their grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren that we are, that, we should, they, that, that people should look at us and feel special. So again, if you're going to participate in the Shabbos, Parshas Noyach, directly, fine. If not, work on your Shabbos. Make your Shabbos the very best it ever was, in whichever way, even if it's just preparing the best food. But it may be in also in reading certain things and thinking certain things, singing the Zemiras, trying to get into Shabbos, into the Tfilos, get into it as, and get out of it as much as you possibly can. If you're capable of inviting people, fine. And if you don't invite them and you happen to be passing them or seeing them in the shul or wherever you see them, just take that extra second. Oh, good Shabbos. Where are, you, where are you from? Oh, very nice. Thanks for coming and joining us. That's all. You don't need any more than that. That's enough to reach people and to make a very big impact. So I, I thank everybody for listening. And you can, again, listen next week at 6 o'clock on Monday. You can get us on uh, jrootradio.com. You can get us over the... Uh, the the live line 718-506-9099 and until next week this is your host rabbi yosef wickler editor of cautious magazine and if you want to reach us at the magazine whether to get a subscription oops we didn't read this you got a minute okay we have a minute we have to read the our, a word about our sponsor i got lost here uh but you can reach us at 718-336-8544 at the office if you want to discuss any matter of kashras or you're interested in a subscription to the magazine. Last minute, just remembering, I didn't say talk about Glotmart, which is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When you think of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. Their weekly specials run from Wednesday to Tuesday. You can see them on their website or on What's on Sale, W-A-T-S. O-N-S-A-L-E. And uh, Glotmart convenience comes in two packages, parking and time. You'll save time by using their valet parking service. Just come to Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready for you to load up with those special items you purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikior. At Glotmart, you're getting quality Kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dovin Glotmart, tell him you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the air over J Root Radio. 
Until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, wishing you a wonderful week.